just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you. And you know, Sunday is Father's Day, and I actually have a couple of programs dealing with this subject of fathers. But today, we're going to talk to you, especially if Father's Day is not a good day for you. Uh, If your idea of father comes from a very wounded place, uh, because not all fathers are good fathers, uh, and no father is a perfect father on this earth. And so, you know, there are shortcomings, there are things that happen, there's disappointment, uh, and it can make Father's Day really kind of an unpleasant thing for a lot of people, and that's just the reality. If you've had a particularly difficult time with your father, uh, our prayer today is that you would start to experience some healing, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that. My guest today is Kia Stevens. She has a book out now called Overcoming Father Wounds. Uh, and she's going to share some things from her life, uh, the tough parts, as well as the, the path towards healing. Uh, and so we invite you uh, into this. If you're watching us live, Yvonne, Marianne, we appreciate your comments. Uh, feel free to chime in and ask questions if you'd like. Uh, if you're watching in the replay, we appreciate your positive <laughs> comments. Um, but this is, a, this is a tough one. This is a tender spot for a lot of people, and I want to be sensitive to that. So, Kia, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Randy. I think perhaps we should start maybe a little bit with your story because, you know, when you write a book, they say write what you know. And when you write a book called Overcoming Father Wounds, I think the first thing is, ooh, I wonder what she's been through. Uh, and it, as painful as it can be, um, I appreciate those who are able to share. Um, but tell us a little bit of your background. Sure. My mother and father got a divorce when I was just, three years old. And so much of my experience with my father is relegated to a few court ordered visitations. Uh, I remember one time where he did purchase a bicycle for me. And then outside of that, it was gifts left on the front porch of my grandparents Mm. house. And so I, I didn't really have a relationship with my dad and that came full circle for me uh, freshman year. I remember being in the dorm room of a friend and uh, she said, I made this bookshelf with my dad. And it was in that moment that I was not okay. Mm. Tears, the tears began to well up in my eyes. And I, I made the acknowledgement out loud to God, not to my friend, but just, I want what she has. Mm. I want a relationship with my biological father. And so that beget the journey for me. I ended up talking to uh, someone who was like a mentor in my life at that time. And she detailed how she chronicled out all of the events that her father missed in a letter. And then she sent it to her dad. And at the end of this letter, she said, I want you in my life. And I figured, well, that's, easy enough and i did the exact same thing with my dad and it began this pursuit of my father and the relationship that i so desperately wanted to have with him Uh, you know that's interesting because we think of father wins a lot of times from an abusive father which 
wasn't the case. It was the absent father, and that that can hurt just as much. Uh, not to equate physical abuse with with anything else, uh, but right. you understand what I'm saying. Um, did he want to have a relationship with you when he was not in the home when you were younger? Uh, I think that he did. I think the circumstances of his life prevented him from doing that. And then also I share in my book, my father struggled with alcoholism Mm. for many years. Mm. And so a byproduct of the alcoholism was the absence in my life. And, and I do want to say, Randy, to your point, I spent so much time describing what was going on inside of my heart and my mind uh, in the book that I didn't take time to give a dictionary definition of what a father wound is. So I just looked it up in preparation for all these interviews. And basically, uh, a father wound is synonymous with father absenteeism. So we know that a father can be absent by way of divorce, abandonment abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, alcoholism, as it was in my case, uh, premature death, or a physically present but an emotionally absent father. Um, You know, even if the father is in the home, it doesn't mean that that father is fathering their son or daughter. Mm -hmm. What did... um... What did that do? What what sort of negative emotions did did that bring? Other than just the the missing, uh, you know, did you did you deal with uh, rejection, um, feeling of, of inadequacy? How did it manifest internally in you? In me, uh, I'm a bit of a go getter type person, <laughs> and so the way that it manifested in me is in a lot of performance. Um, I talk about the performance trap by Robert S. McGee, uh, but I got into this unhealthy um, habit of feeling like I need to perform in order to be loved, in order to be accepted, or in order to have value and to have worth. And so I found myself caught in that. Uh, I also found myself looking for validation and affirmation and and love and acceptance from all the wrong places. And and we know that that's one of the statistics if we look at um, what they say about uh, what it said about children who grow up in father absent homes, that they are more likely to uh, become young mothers Mm. they're more likely to engage in in um relationships with the opposite sex early and so i found myself looking for that what i didn't receive from my father what i what a a girl should receive from her father uh validation and affirmation and and attention i found myself going to other avenues to find that well you know unfortunately predatory men do view girls without fathers as soft targets mm-hmm. uh, it's and, so true yeah. yeah and and it's 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 really horrible if you think about it but uh it does it leaves a void for whatever reason uh that that all children need and and young girls need to me it breaks my heart. i have two daughters and i was you know my youngest one got married two years ago and i was the sappy dancing with my daughter bawling my eyes out because mm-hmm. i i Literally, I, you start talking about my girls, and I'll start crying because that's that's the relationship, and that's what God wants for us. And when yeah. it doesn't happen, it's just it's tragic, um, and it breaks my heart for 
everyone in that situation. What, um, where, what, were you, now did your mother raise you in a Christian home? Was there any, any yeah. positive influence there? Definitely. I am the granddaughter of a, a Baptist pastor. Oh. My, my grandfather's no longer living anymore, but I definitely grew up in a Christian home, a uh, Christian upbringing. And there were father figures that were around me. Uh, the pastor that that pastored the church that I grew up in, he was a father figure for me. And then I had a cousin uh, who was also a father figure for me. I think I didn't really begin to grapple with the absence of my dad until I definitely went to college and then in adulthood. And this whole concept that I heard being in the church, God is a father to the fatherless. I really began to unpack that and say, well, I've heard this phrase, but I really don't know how it would look practically in my life or, or how, how does this supposed to manifest if God is not audibly heard, at least I don't audibly hear him. I can't see him. I cannot touch him what exactly is meant by this phrase that I've heard my entire life. Mm -hmm. And um, it really over a series of years, Randy, because uh, I can remember times in my life where I was so angry with God, uh, so frustrated, not understanding how a sovereign God would not supply every daughter with uh, a wonderful father. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember being angry with God. I remember questioning God. I, I remember having a, a sarcastic, uh, skeptical conversation with God of just, you know, prove it or you're, you can't do this or, you know, just, <laughs> just everything you think of when you think of a teenager. Well, you know? well it's <laughs> like know? one of, one of like, David's it? Psalms, you know, half the Psalms start yeah. out griping at God, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, okay. you know, yeah, and it is, it, it is, I'm grateful for that, because now I have an understanding that God is not um, put off by my emotions, mm -hmm. God is not, mm -hmm. he can handle it, he made emotions, you know, so <laughs> he made emotions, but um, through that wrestling, uh, God met me, mm -hmm. God met me, and, and I offer that encouragement to anyone that finds themselves skeptical of this idea of God being a father because it, it just makes no sense. It seems illogical. Um, often on interviews, Randy, people ask me for the how, how, how is it going to happen? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the uncomfortable truth with that is that this is Christianity is, is by faith. It's by faith. So there is going to be that illogical, I can't give you the play-by-play -play and boom, now you're gonna have this awareness and this knowing God is my father, uh, Part that's part of it. But then the other part for me was really examining the life of Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, then you have seen the father. Uh, you know, And so in looking at how he engaged with the woman with the issue of blood, at, at the end of that whole scenario, he calls her daughter daughter your faith has healed you of all the words he could have used mm -hmm. and the words she had previously been called you know she was unclean she was ostracized she was not anyone that anyone wanted to associate with but but jesus used an affectionate term daughter mm -hmm. uh the woman caught in adultery uh he he tenderly put all of her the judgmental onlookers to shame mm -hmm. 
and said, you know, I don't condemn you. I do not condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. So we see Jesus engaging tenderly and compassionately and lovingly um, with these women. It is an indicator of how he engages with us, how he loves us as his sons and daughters. But then also just for me, looking at the attributes of God and, and just spending a lot of time doing that as well helped me to exchange my wounds for God's perfect love. Yeah, I, and I love that. And you know, you're, you're right. It's not formulaic uh, because relationships are very individual and personal, and they're going to look a little different. At the same time, like you're saying, there are some basic principles, uh, some truths that are true for everyone across the board, and that's what you're exploring. But you can tell somebody, you know, down here in Texas, we say you can lead a horse to water, you can't make a drink. But you can tell somebody these basic truths and qualities of God uh, and the things that he has said and promised, but you, it won't really hold until someone walks it out themselves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I want to go just briefly back to before we continue in this vein is what you said about some father figures. And I think that is so important for people to realize that both on both sides of it, um, men in the church, godly men, not predatory men. And some, sometimes you do have yeah. predatory men in the church. So we, you got to have some discernment here, but godly men can have a positive influence on young girls. And, and that's a difficult thing in today's society. Cause you know, I'm a middle-aged guy. Uh, I, you know, I don't, like go around chatting with teenage girls because that gets creepy fast. But there is a way uh, that godly men should have an influence on girls who don't have an earthly father for whatever reason or have Mm -hmm. a bad one, frankly. And that, again, that takes a lot of discernment, a lot of wisdom. Uh, I think never should be one-on-one, you know, uh, things like that. But there is a role that men can can fulfill, and, and there is a benefit uh, when it's done in a godly manner for young girls like yourself. And so I, I'm glad that you had some positive male, yeah. adult male influence in your life. We need to not let the enemy steal that from us because of all the abuse in the world. But um, I'm going to show the book again real quick. This is Overcoming Father Wounds by Kia Stevens, available now. If this is a tough area for you, this would be a great resource to, to help point you in the direction of healing. Um, I, a, a couple of questions that I do want to ask you, um, Kia. Did did was forgiveness a, a required component with with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, most definitely, and it was not a microwave process for me. <laughs> um, I. I say this in my book, sometimes you feel like you take two steps forward and and one step back or five steps forward and, you know, four steps back, but it's still one step forward. And I've learned several things about forgiveness. The the thought of needing to forgive my father was actually initiated with a counselor. Mm -hmm. And she said, have you forgiven your, have you written a forgiveness letter for your father? And I was thinking, what on earth for? If he wasn't there, I don't have anything to forgive. But what I didn't realize is that there, I wanted him there. And there were things that I wanted him to do. And there were consequences that happened in my life that I believe 
were directly and indirectly related to his absence. Mm. And so it didn't come out until I sat down to write the forgiveness letter. And when I did, I couldn't get through it in one sitting. Mm. And uh, it was it was revealing to me, you know, what had been in my heart all along. And that's when I really started to deal with it. And then I paired the forgiveness letter with an empty chair. So I got in my bedroom and put an, a chair across from me. I sat down in it and imagined my dad there and I read out this letter. Mm. Um, but since then, I've done a lot of work on forgiveness. So I, I don't want to give the impression that forgiveness just, oh, do the forgiveness letter. You're free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. Uh, I, I want to say a couple of things that I've learned about forgiveness is that Uh, Some of the barrier to it is that we think the other person is getting off. It's not fair. They get to walk away uh, unchanged. They don't have to ever say, I'm sorry. And I'm the one that's getting the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. And when I began to study forgiveness, I, I realized forgiveness is not dismissing. It's not denying. It's not masking. It's not faking. It's not reconciling. We think forgiveness means we're going to reconcile with with this person. And and, in in the situation that we're talking about now, our fathers, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is simply a relinquishing of my right to hold another person responsible for the wrong that they did do to me. Hmm. It's saying, God, I surrender. I'm going to surrender this this raw, this ought that I have against the person uh, for what they did legitimately do. I'm going to give it to you because I know you are a righteous judge. Now that is, it's the practical part. It's the the part that we can own, an act of our will. But then the second portion of that is supernatural. It's what we don't own. It's where we have to acknowledge we are finite and in desperate need and dependence for a savior to access that power and say, God, now as an act of my will, I, I've said I'm gonna relinquish my right but will you help my heart and my mind to follow suit? Because in and of my own strength, I don't know if I can do it. These thoughts keep coming back. The memories keep coming back. The the emotions keep coming back. Uh, And so sometimes it's asking one time, two times, three times, however many times for however many days uh, until until we have forgiven the person. It's interesting because biblical forgiveness is not the same as forgiveness in our like in society like if the IRS says I owe them some money and I write them a, a letter and, and they have some mercy <laughs> just to pull a fictitious scenario <laughs> and they say your debt is forgiven I have to pay nothing I think biblical forgiveness is more what you just said which is turning it over to God and letting him carry out the justice instead of us carrying out the justice by holding bitterness in our hearts or uh, holding back from someone. When we say, God, uh, forgiveness is in your hands, that doesn't mean that the person is off the hook. It means they're in God's court. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's That's putting far them worse. at a higher. It, it can be far worse. I mean, yeah, you're setting them up. Worse, yeah. yeah, it's like, no, you got to go see the, the big judge, uh, not little judge me. You get judge with a capital J. What that does is it frees us from a lot of the the pain that is there, the wounds, you know. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm, And so I I really think that that that's significant. Um, And your realization of that is 
very mat- spiritually mature and liberating. And that's why God even wants us to do it, is to liberate us from that burden. Exactly. Yeah, I think that another misconception is that forgiveness is for the other person, but it's for us yeah. because we have not been designed to walk away, walk around carrying all of all of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, I just can't reiterate enough that it happens over time. It happens over time. And one of the other suggestions that I offer is just to pray for your offender or your, your father in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Um, that was some advice my mom gave to me. I had a situation with someone in the church and she said, well, you should pray for them and not just to like, Lord, bless them, bless so-and-so and bless her heart. You know, not that okay. one, but but really pray for them in the way you would want someone to pray for you over time. It is um, the act of doing that um, transforms your heart. Yeah. It transforms your heart. And there were times when I did it and, and I couldn't get a lot of words out. There were times when I did it and tears were streaming down my mm-hmm. cheek. But over time, I watched God pull out the, the, the anger and pull out the bitterness and the frustration and, and give me, as the scripture says, a heart of flesh in exchange for a heart of, of stone. Yeah, you sound like your mother was pretty wonderful. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> At least had some wisdom. You know, my mom, my mom had my mom definitely had some wisdom. Um, there are definitely some things that you know she shared with me, and and that we both had to walk through. Yeah. Because the interesting thing yeah. is that you know with father wounds. The child has an experience, but then also the mother has an experience as as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember that uh, sitting in a, a service and the minister says, how many of you have never heard your biological father say, I love you? Mm-hmm. And so I was hesitant to raise my hand, uh, but I did only to see a sea of hands. Mm-hmm. There were so many hands up. Yeah on all the way around me but then i looked to my left and my mother's hand was raised as well Mm. my my mother had never heard my biological grandfather say i love you um my my grandfather was a great man he was a great man he was he was known for some of the things that he did in the community and in the church but he wasn't an affectionate father He wasn't an affectionate father. Mm -hmm. And so when my mom got married, she had a whole lot of misconceptions about about marriage. Mm -hmm. She thought it just works itself out. It doesn't matter who you pick. It doesn't matter what type of discriminatory criteria you have (laughs) created or not created. And so it it just... um, you can you can see the impact of my father wounds not just in me but i i see the impact of my mother's father wounds and yeah. and yeah. you know and for many you can replicate that in your children if yeah. your wounds are not healed yeah mm. god that's heartbreaking heartbreaking all right the good part but there's hope but there's hope exactly but, you know, there's exactly hope. <laughs> the good part what does God as father look like in your life? God as father in my life really, uh, I would say is 
the difference maker because you can have a long laundry list of things that happen to you. Um, but God can step into your life and provide what you did not receive. Um, I love that scripture that says he takes the foolish things of this world and uses it to confound the wise. I'm a foolish thing. It makes no sense for me to be telling women how to overcome their father wounds, um, except that God came in and, and healed my heart and is in the process of healing my heart. Um, you know, and that is something that he's done over time where I know I'm loved. I'm not going to the opposite sex looking for them to affirm me or looking for them to love me. I know I'm loved by God. That is something that he has done in my life. I know I'm chosen by God. I know I'm wanted Mm -hmm. by God. I know I'm uniquely special and I have a purpose on this earth. All of that came from my relationship with God over time, mm. uh, you know, pouring over the scriptures, reading over the same scripture over and over again. <laughs> I used to read uh, my favorite one is Philippians 1, 6. It says, being confident in this, that he who has begun a great work in you shall be faithful mm. until the day of Christ Jesus to complete it. I, I would cling to that because I saw so many flaws in me, but I was believing and still believing that God would be faithful to complete the work, no matter how I started out, that God, wherever, wherever my, my journey met, linked up with his, God would come in and be the difference maker. And, and that's what he has done in my life. Uh, I love the scripture. Um, oh, well, go ahead. No, please, please. More scriptures. You know, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm the grand granddaughter of a a Baptist pastor and he was very long winded. And so am I, uh, but, um, the scripture I discovered a couple of months ago is Psalms 147 and three that says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And so when I really began to look at wounds and, and the fact that it was plural, I was like, you know, a woman could have a trust wound. She could have an area where now, now she has difficulty trusting men specifically she could have a a love wound where she doesn't feel loved mm-hmm. she could have a um a abandonment wound or a rejection wound where she um feels like every subsequent relationship with men and women they're going to reject her mm-hmm. but this scripture right here says he binds up their wounds it's a scripture that was uh, meant for the exiles in israel but the fact that it's in the word of god i believe it's applicable to to yeah. us today yeah. you yeah. know and and it's not singular it's plural so whatever wounds we come to god with he is able to bind them up to to wrap them to apply the healing balm of the word of god and to continue continuously do that until a scab forms and new skin forms and 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 it's healed hmm. in in the place where it was once wounded yeah and you know you may have a scar uh, and judy watching says wounds can heal but we also have to let the scars heal too sometimes we yeah. you know the, they do scar uh, but they do heal and you know i love you i love how you walk through that scripture god said something to the israelites it, but it reveals his character, and his character is consistent, and so it absolutely is oh, yeah. applicable to us today. One last question for you. Um, with the wound of an absentee father, do you, Kia, 
believe that God will never leave you or forsake you? Is he present with you? Definitely. I have a confidence uh, in God as my father that I, I mean, it's the strongest that it's ever been. I think in my 20s, I kind of just was a little bit unsure. It's kind of hard when you grow up in the church. There's some things that you're reluctant to reject because this is how you were raised. This is <laughs> you just you just people say it, you believe it, you accept it. Amen. You go to church every every Sunday, you go to Wednesday night, you know, but um in my collegiate years and maybe my 20s, there it wasn't so solid. And now where I am is I know that God is with me. I know that God is with me. I know that he, he is uh, what I was longing for from my father. He is that for me. And it's out of the love that I have with my heavenly father that I'm able to love my biological father, whom I do have a relationship mm. with. I did, I need to say that. And he has given me the permission to even share his story in this book. Mm. Um, you know, so God has really been the difference maker between for me, but then also in my relationship with my biological father. Love it. See, I, I asked that question cause I knew the answer already. I could tell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wanted people to hear it because God wants that for all of his daughters. And, and you're just a wonderful example of, of what drawing close to that father when you don't necessarily want to draw close to a father um, actually is, is the best thing you can do. Uh, is there anything you want to add? But you mentioned your podcast and the, and the Pay sure. It Forward program you have real quick. Yep, I have a couple of resources available for women with father wounds. One is the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast. You can find it on my website at www.kiastevens.com. And then I also have a special initiative that uh, I started in conjunction with my book release, and that's called the Hope for Her campaign. I partnered with Wellspring Living and some additional organizations that work with victims of sex trafficking or those women who are vulnerable to becoming victims of sex trafficking. And so women can go over there and pay it forward and purchase a book for another woman uh, who is uh, more than likely has father wounds or has been impacted directly or indirectly by um, the father wound no doubt. issue. No doubt. Thank you, Kia, for your testimony and the work that you're doing. Really appreciate you. I want to show you, you so her. Much. Yeah, absolutely. I want to show you her website. It looks just like this, kiastevens.com. So you know you're in the right place when you get there. Uh, and if, if you're if you're suffering under this, uh, that father wound, no matter how recent it is, no matter how old it is, God's heart is to heal you. Uh, and, you know, don't let the, well, there's a fancy word for it, but, the, the, you know, the way we, we, we put these kind of human characteristics onto God, uh, the idea of God as father and, and as he or him, he, he's, God is much more bigger, much more mysterious than that. Um, don't let those put you off if, if you've got yeah. that issue because that'll just just hurt you. Find out what he's got for you because the imperfection that's hurt you is the perfection you can find in God that will heal you. And so I just, man, I, it just breaks my heart that young girls and women and, and full-grown women are still carrying these things. So listen to Kia. Pick up her book if you need to. 
uh, pay it forward if you want to to help some others and you can discover that perfect heavenly father always love you just as you are but can help change you will never leave you or forsake you appreciate you being here uh you share that with somebody hit the share button give it a like follow or subscribe do that we'll see you again next time here on live today live no man comes to the father but by me.